Yeah, and I think this goes back to like the first question we had, which is like, why have a book? If you're trying to carve out a position in the marketplace, we're really saying like, we serve certain kinds of businesses or certain kinds of people with a certain set of, of services in a certain kind of way. The book puts them all in one package with a title on it, with a listing on Amazon, with an author on the cover from your firm. And it produces this level of reputational trust that I just, I haven't seen with too many other pieces of content that brands can put out in the marketplace. You're listening to the Remarka Brand Podcast, where authentic brands win. Hey, everybody. It's another episode of Remarka Brand Podcast. I'm Mike Jones. I've got Sam Pagel in the studio with me and calling in from, I assume, cold. I don't know if it's sunny or not, but cold Idaho. We've got Chris Stadler from the Resound team. Very excited to have Chris on today. Um, for those that don't know, Chris is our chief operations officer. He oversees all the stuff and things that go on behind the scenes to make sure that Resound actually operates and gets stuff done. And we're very appreciative of him for all that. Plus, he's just a good friend. And uh, I'm excited to have him kind of back on the podcast. We ran a podcast together for like, what, four years interviewing people, Chris? Yeah. Oh, man. It was even before I worked at Resound. It was, uh, yeah. Yeah, it was so fun. Uh, AZ Brandcast. Yep. I mean, yeah. technically, this is that podcast. It is technically. It's just rebranded into a different podcast, but it's still the same podcast. Yeah. And if you load up the uh, podcast um, back feed, the archive, if you're on the website or you go back through like Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening to this, you can dig some of those episodes out of the archive and take a listen and you can hear Chris's beautiful voice. Those sweet Stadler vocals. Yeah. So, uh, well, yeah. gentlemen, it's a pleasure to be back on. <laughs> Thanks, yeah. Chris. All right, let's get right into it. Name ten things, right? Yep. And we're we gotta we gotta do this today. Chris is with us, and so we we do have an Idaho expert here on the podcast. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna name right. ten things you would only see in Idaho. Chris, why don't you get us started? Only see in Idaho. Name ten things you would only see in Idaho. Only see. Yeah, Idaho. we'll we'll switch thing, off. Quick we'll switch hey, off. First thing off the top of your head. Me? I'm supposed to do it? Yeah, we're gonna. Yeah, just you're gonna go kick around. us off. We'll just go around. Uh, sugar beets laying on the side of the road. There we go. That's pretty good. Yeah. I'm gonna say uh, belly button uh, at a nice dinner. Hmm. But I was thinking I like, like an old man, you know, I like that old man sitting at a white. I don't table. even know what that means, but sweet. Yep, that's two. Uh, unused potatoes. Ooh, yeah, yep. They're just not there. Yeah, they they get they do get used. It's true, Chris. What do you got for us? We need a fourth. Uh, milk truck driving by every five minutes. Cool. Yep. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna say potato sack. Uh, children's. Uh, reusable diapers. Hmm. <laughs> Nor Norwegians. Just going to go with Norwegians. That's great. That's a good one. Number seven. <sighs> Find themselves what there. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, pizza, uh, other food joints that have the word Idaho in them that make you think that it's they sell all potatoes. That's pretty good. That just spurred Potato me Potato-based pizza. 
Uh, Idaho yeah. pizza. I was just going to say potato on pizza because that's just one thing that doesn't belong on pizza unless you're in Idaho. It's potatoes. Correct. It's like a nice scalloped <laughs> potato on top of the pizza where you'd normally see pepperoni. So it's just mm. sad. It's just sad. Mike, what do you got? We need two more. Beyonce music video. <laughs> it's just it's just not gonna take place there. Okay. I don't know why that came in my head, but that's Mike what came switched in. to things you wouldn't see in Idaho. Oh, I thought we were I thought that was what it was. Oh. <laughs> no, but that's great. Oh, that's, I totally that's lose in, this round. That's improv right there. All right. I'll cap it All off right. with things uh, you would see. You would only see in Idaho. I'll cap it off with a giant crack in the earth. <laughs> That's not true. Arizona's got one of those too. Yeah, I know, I know. All right. All right. But the Idaho one, you, you wouldn't necessarily see it till you're falling over the cliff because it's just, you know, everything looks so flat <laughs> and it's like, oh, there's a giant crack in the earth. Find your frequency. All right. So the, the main reason we're here, not, not to name 10 things. I know that's why everyone else is listening, but yeah. we're here to talk about books. Books, 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 books. <laughs> I think that's we right. covered this on a previous episode already, um, <laughs> but we thought it was just too important. Um, we talked a little bit about Brand Anthem and how you can extend that into actually writing a book. And we covered a little bit of the process. We'll recap some of that. I think that's going to be really helpful for everyone to kind of rethink about that process. But we also want to just cover again, like, why is this important? Why should firms be thinking about writing a book? Um, how can they think about doing that in a way that really makes sense for their firm? Um, think about what they're going to talk about. I mean, that feels like the hardest part of the, you know, the whole thing is like, what in the world do we talk about? That's interesting. Um, that can take up an entire book. So we want to dive into all those and other questions today. Um, Chris has been thinking a lot about this. In fact, he just wrote a blog post about it. It's out on our website, resoundcreative.com. If you want to check that out, um, kind of get a preamble on what's going on today in our podcast. But yeah, let's, let's talk about that. Why, why should firms be talking about books? Why should they be thinking about writing books, getting into the publishing game? Why is this important? Yep. We we touched on this a little uh, bit in the last episode, and uh, I think it starts from the baseline of a book is like the chief sales piece that you could put into your arsenal. Um, this is not meant to be some trophy that you just stick a picture of it on your website and say, <laughs> we have a book, go here, buy it, yay, we're done. No, this is more of a tactical thing with the leadership of your firm. Um, the faces of your firm to have something that they can go out and say, hey, we are the expert on this. Check out this book. Um, your, you know, the leadership of your firm can go out and book speaking events hmm. with targeted groups of people that you want to work with. Maybe, uh, maybe your firm is really geared towards insurance companies and you want to, you know, you want to go speak at an insurance convention because it sounds super fun. <laughs> Excited. The highlight of your the year. The highlight of your year. So you if go. It's done right. It will be. So, how do you get into those places? You can't just say, hey, I'm really good at insurance accounting. Um, <laughs> can I come speak? They'll be like, no, stop it. Um, if you say, hey, I wrote a book about accounting for insurance agencies, yeah. you want, do you want me to come speak? Absolutely. And we'll take 50 copies of your book. Oh, yeah. Um, so, but, that's. Uh, well, can I enter? I mean, because that, that's, that's a huge thing. It's, it's a, uh, 
uh, you know, they, they used to say those who can do and those who can't teach, right? And the idea is that when you're writing a book, you're, you're someone who's able to teach. Now, there's a difference between someone who can just do accounting and you ask them how they do it. And they're like, I don't know. I just do it, right? And then someone who really understands the pro- a process, right? Someone who understands a process to the point where they can explain it. So there's a big difference there. If you can explain the process, you're a lot more likely to be someone who um, who can can use it effectively, and then even deal with edge cases or deal deal with non-standard situations that that pop up. So there's a huge amount of credibility that comes from being able to write a book because it shows a well-ordered thought process that's born of experience that you can explain. I think that's right. a really good point, Chris, and. I think it's fitting that you mention the word process because you're the process guy, <laughs> but it is true. Like how, how does somebody wrap their, their mind around how you do something you have to have a definable process and what better way to kind of organize that than into a book where people can, you know, even if they don't read it, they can see that there is a process it's published. Um, it's legitimate. And um, maybe we should kind of unpack. Okay. You're an accounting firm, you're a law firm, you're, you know, professional services company. You do good work and you've never thought about defining the way you do something Mm. or the why behind why you do something. So Mike, how how do you get there? How do you get to that point where you actually have, because you can't just say, write a book and (laughs) talk about what you do. Yeah. Uh, How do you get to that point where you have a process and you have everything defined? Yep. So I think that goes back to what we've been talking about for a while now, which is this brand anthem idea, right? This idea that you and your firm have a particular story to tell um, about the people you serve, the particular people that you serve, your clients, uh, the particular way about which you do that. Um, You might not have that defined in a document somewhere. Maybe that's kind of more floating around in people's heads. But I guarantee you that there is a way in which you do what you do that's unique to you. Um, it might not be the totality of your entire process. Maybe like 90% of your process is pretty similar to a lot of other firms, but that little five to 10%, that's what makes it really interesting. And that might be because you service a particular niche and you've developed a really deep expertise in servicing a lot of those kinds of companies. And so you have particular nuances in how you think about accounting or how you think about legal services. Um, that really play very well to that particular audience because you've done it over and over and over again and you've kind of learned the little, the little particularities of that industry, uh, the way they think, the little ticks that come with their business. Maybe there's nuances in the way they do taxes, the way they do valuation, the way that they need to be audited. Um, there's just, you know, there's particularities to how they hire and fire probably too. Um, that have well, a play. tax strategies. Yeah. Tax strategies. Exactly. I mean, how, how you, how you approach, like everybody has a point of view, right? Even accounting mm-hmm. firms, you know, yep. I mean, you could say like, oh, they're all the same. Like you don't want someone creatively doing accounting, <laughs> you know, like you wanted to do like follow the Some people you know, do. generally accepted accounting principles, you know, whatever. But, um, but yeah, there's a point of view. There's, there's uh with different niches, there are different schedules, there are different ways people want to interact with you mm-hmm. um, by probably by size of business. There's a different amount of like we've talked, uh, what, what, what do we talk with our accountant about? It's probably different than what some other industries talk to their accountants about. Yep. Yeah. And then I think, you know, you get into 
things of just like how how particularities like a restaurant right so i have a friend who's got a coffee shop and we were talking uh kind of tax accounting financial things the other day and um you know the way he's thinking about employment is so different than us right for instance like most of his employees are part-time they're not full-time they don't right. get full-time benefits he's only hiring people locally right versus us on the other side it's like you know, we're we're hiring a, a mix of, of full-time, part-time, and contracted 1099s. So we have complexity there. We're we're hiring people from locally and like nationally and even internationally sometimes. And so there's just a mm -hmm. lot of like different nuances to our two businesses, even though size-wise we're pretty similar. Um, you know, tenure of business, not drastically different. We're both here in Arizona. I think on paper, a lot of accounting firms will look at us and go, oh, either one of these could be a great client for us. And then when you start to dig in, you're like, oh, okay. So there's a lot of differences in how they're approaching business, um, what their hiring practices are well, like, um, how they're, well, who they're bringing in. So like, you know, there's just complexity to our business that he doesn't have, but we also don't have the complexity he has with sales tax, right? Like that's for him insane. Um, so well, and it, I think that's and a good example. Yeah, but it's not just complexities either. Um, think about different accounting firms have different approaches to, for example, um, home office write-offs, right? Mm -hmm. Like, like tolerance tolerance for auditing. Yep. Um, what's your What's your philosophy of that, and how do you lead your clients to think think rightly about it? Yep. You know, and different different firms might have different ways of doing that, different philosophies that they need to be able to express. Kind of a systematic philosophy of accounting. That makes sense, and if they can make make that make sense to their client base, now that's how their client base is going to think, right? You write mm -hmm. a book that makes sense of that for people. Now, everybody who reads the book and people who follow your blog and everything, now they think like you. So now, who can compete with you? Yeah, right. What other accounting firm is going to really be able to compete with you because they think like you? They only trust your way of thinking. Yeah, and I think this goes back to like the first question we had, which is like, why have a book, right? And there's a lot of reasons. I think you guys covered some really good ones already. But I think there's one other that we haven't really touched on, at least in this episode, which is that if you're trying to carve out a position in the marketplace, we're really saying like, we serve certain kinds of businesses or certain kinds of people with a certain set of, of services in a certain kind of way, right? If, if you want to boil down positioning to those three categories, and there's more to it than that, but let's just, let's just leave it at that for now. Let's say it's some combination of those three things, who we serve, what we do to serve them, and how we do it, right? How we deliver. If we find kind of our, our particular way of doing that, kind of our secret sauce, our position in the marketplace, how do you get people to understand that and believe you that you're actually really good at that and no one else is, right? So that you would say, oh, well, we just put it on their website. It's part of our tagline. <laughs> yeah, that's great. That's awesome. We talked about that in a previous episode about your brand anthem likely is going to have a tagline that falls out of it pretty quickly, right? When you're telling that story, you want something catchy, you want something interesting, but a tagline doesn't really give me, it gives me a, 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 an indication of your position, but it doesn't tell me, it doesn't give me any backbone to it. Where's the proof? Okay, well, we have case studies. That's also great, right? Proven experience is, is great. Um, 
tell me more about this particular way that you do it. How is it different? How is it special? Give me the details. Mm -hmm. Okay, well, we have a page on the website all about our process or, you know, our firm brand name way, right? <laughs> right? Everyone uses that one. <laughs> the resound way or whatever. Um, the resound way. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay, that, that's good. Um, how, how long is that page? Oh, it's like four or five paragraphs. Okay, uh, can you show me any of it? Can you demonstrate it? Can you give me specific example? Oh, well, by the time you're done answering all these questions that are going to start flying at you to say, prove it, right? That's essentially what people are, are asking in their minds without realizing it. Subconsciously, they're just like, prove it, prove it, prove it. By the time you're done, you're going to have a book's worth of content. You're going to have stories. You're going to have explanations. You're going to have details about your process. You're going to have internal staff talking about it, giving like, here's how I approach it. Here's what it means to me, right? You're going to have lots of anecdotes of how this worked for other, for your clients, right? Um, mm -hmm. And actual probably quotes from them, hopefully too. So by the time you're done, this page on your website, quote unquote, this page on your website is going to turn into like just tons of content. And you're going to be like, oh, we wrote blog posts about it and we did all these things. And it's like, Next thing you know, it's like if you've, if you've done this strategically, you have built a book. And that book, yeah. in and of itself, even if you have all those things already defined and explained elsewhere in other formats, the book puts them all in one package with a title on it, with a listing on Amazon, with an author on the cover from your firm. And it produces this level of reputational trust that I just, I haven't seen with too many other like pieces of content that brands can put out in the marketplace. Yeah. Um, well, and I think I, I mean, I think there's some reasons for that, right? I mean, cause you have how many people, all right, so you start writing a book and then you change your mind, right? Yeah. Like how many, like anybody who's started writing a book, I think that's happened probably over and over because it's a commitment, right? Like if you take this point of view, you're going to write a whole book about it. Like that's a commitment. You're probably not doing that unless it's something you really believe. And everybody knows that everybody who who sees your book, they're like, that's a commitment. But the other thing is it shows that I like the idea of this, the systematic approach, right? Mm -hmm. Like you're showing that your, your way of thinking is a system that's that, that, understands the area you're working in, understands your profession, understands your point of view. And when, it, when it's in a book, people are able to see, oh, wait, they said this in chapter nine, but they said something totally different in chapter one, right? They're going to be able to see it's kind of falsifiable because you're able to see it all in one place, but falsifiability makes it convincing when, it's, when it, it agrees. When chapter one agrees with chapter nine, when you've shown that, hey, look, this system works to down to the nth degree because we've used it so much so yep. consistently yep and and that's convincing yep and it gives everyone in your firm we've talked about this before too if like gives everyone a, a place to point back to and be like no remember that's how we said we do it right and this is the language yep. that yep. we use to talk about this process or this position that we have mm -hmm. in the marketplace um mm -hmm. let's let's all be on the same page let's all sing from the same hymn book if you want to call it that um, and, right. and I think there's, there's, you know, there's a lot of different ways to tell that story in the book. Like you don't have to think about it as like, oh, it's a textbook, right? It doesn't have to be this like super academic, well, you know, 
incredibly researched footnotes on every page, you know, half the page is actually footnotes type type product. It just needs to be thorough and explain your thinking. Um, it probably doesn't even have to be as long as you think it should be, right? I think that's another issue mm. that I hear from a lot of businesses who are going into this process is they're like, oh, it's got to be 40,000 words. It's got to be 60,000 words. It's got to be substantial, right? It's got to be, it's got to be thick. And I'd argue like there are people that you're going to run into who want the whole book and they want every word, right? They want to dive super deep. But the reality is most people that you encounter as potential clients will never actually read every word of the book. They'll read the parts that matter to them or they might not even read it at all and they just go, wow, you wrote the book on that? I want you as my firm, right? And so there's an element of like, yes, it needs to be thorough. It needs to be well-developed, right? It can't just be garbage. <laughs> But it maybe doesn't have to be to this like academic degree of like, we're going to spend eight years developing this thing and we're going to have research out the wazoo and it's going to be, you know, this massive volume, thousands of pages long. <laughs> yeah. Well, we talked about, right. <clears throat> we talked last time about don't expect this to be a New York Times bestseller. Don't expect to even really see it any, on any physical bookshelf in any store. Yeah. It's not why you're doing this. Um, you're doing this because this validates everything that you probably think internally about your brand. Um, and it validates, you know, the work that you do more than just the, the words on your website can or um, a slide deck or whatever. Yep. Yeah. Well, and, and there's one other thing too. And we talk about this sometimes with B2B selling. So, you know, uh, a company who, who was buying accounting or buying some professional service, if they can go with a cheaper firm, but if they go with McKinsey or let's, what, what are some other big firms, Mike? I mean, yeah, like Deloitte, if they go KPMG, with a big firm with Deloitte. Yep. Yeah. Uh, we go with Deloitte. I can't be blamed because I went with Deloitte, right? Yeah. Um, we made, we paid big money, but we went to Deloitte and whatever advice they gave, it's not my fault because I follow their advice and they're yep. Deloitte. Yeah, but and they have a whole section the in the thing, Wall Street though. Journal. So I mean, we can't we can't have been wrong mm -hmm. for hiring Deloitte. <laughs> no, it's not it's not my fault, right? Because um, they're uh, generally accepted as the best, right? Uh, similarly, though, with a book, so so now, all right, so maybe you're not Deloitte, but you wrote a book, right? Mm -hmm. And so there's every I think those are little hints and those are things that that stack up. And that separate you and kind of give you a little bit of monopoly power mm -hmm. um, against the the people who are working, you know, your your competition, your local competition. Yep. Yeah, and it just again it stakes out your position, right? It it clearly gives you a position in the marketplace that is just harder to do if you don't have the book. Um, right. And you know, we've talked about this before too. Maybe this isn't the only book. Maybe there's aspects of your business you want to go a lot deeper on, and and it's going to take a couple different books to do that. And that's fine too. I think there's lots of room here. I think, you know, when you talk about professional services firms, not everyone can aspire to this, but maybe the like epitome is, is can you write enough? Do you have enough deep, deep thinking about what you do and how you do it that you start to carve out um, a training program, right? Around that. Well, even if that's mm -hmm. just internal, 
But then maybe you could offer that elsewhere as well. And, and I think you're starting to see that. There are a handful of accounting firms I'm seeing um, that are starting to birth like consult. I mean, there's been this tight integration of accounting and consulting for a while now. But there's this kind of new wave of consulting that's, that's beyond just providing consulting services in kind of the Deloitte fashion of like, we'll look at your numbers, we'll do some research, we'll provide insights and advice for whatever your decision making around a business is. But actually starting to say, no, there's actually a way that we can do this and we can train you on how to do it. Really shifting consulting into more of an integrated consulting and training approach rather than just this single consulting service. Um, I don't know if that makes sense to people, but it makes sense to me. <laughs> um, but well, like, yeah, I but mean, I think you, that's where, where there's opportunity to say, if, if we really have that kind of depth of thinking, there's so much further we can take this, we can even develop products out of it um, that can yeah. drive revenue for our company, not just as a marketing tool. But I don't know that I would encourage right. every firm to think that that's possible, right? Or to think mm. that that's the norm. Um, and, and to not be dissuaded and like say, oh, we don't have anything like that. We're, we're not that deep thinking. It's like, do you have enough? Can you just get enough together to put a book together that says, this is, this is what's unique about us and we want to just share it with the world, right? And I think at the end of the day, that's all we're talking about. Yeah. and. You're not saying this, Mike, but it can't just be like, here's our firm. We're amazing. This is no. why. No. <laughs> there has to be a target, right? There has yes. to be a focus to the book. And I think that's a great lead in. What's the first thing you do yeah. to start this process? Chris, I know you've, you've had a lot of thinking yep. about this. What do you think? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so to your point earlier, you know, you said not everybody can necessarily generate the depth of insight to, to warrant a book, but I think the first thing to try to do though is to start seeing the difference between how you handle things and how someone else handles things. And as people, as new clients come in who have left other firms to notice those things and say, Hey, here's what's frustrating about accounting these mm -hmm. days. Like, can you imagine, I mean, if you had your point of view and then said, here's what we do. That's a little different. Right. Mm -hmm. And here's why we do it. And it goes with how we think. Right. So now you're, you're building your values and everything into these insights. So pretty soon you write, you write four or five you know blog posts from these experiences that you've had, some frustrations that you've had working with other, you know. So, and 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 once you gather up a few of those, I think at that point when you get to that that place where you're starting to see those insights, that's when you got to stop and say, you know what, we're starting to we we ha we have something here. Do we have like three rules? Do we have three insights? Do we have three process or three mm. steps in a process or something like that? So as soon as you start seeing those kinds of things form, I think that's when it's worth starting to formalize it. Um, and I'm going to leave it there for a second. I think we have more to say on that, but I want to I want to see what you guys think about that. Yeah, I think that's a great kind of first step. I, I think even before that, you 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 alluded to this, right? They got to know their values. You kind of have to, you have to know what we, what do we as a firm believe about how to do business? Mm -hmm. Those might in and of themselves be worthy of a book, especially if you mm -hmm. can take them and let's say you have five values, take each one of them and say, here's how we think about business in our particular part of the world where we do business, whether that's geographically or within a certain industry, 
a certain position, right? A certain group of people that we are uniquely suited to help help uh, with our services. And again, that comes back to branding. I mean, we talk about that um, <laughs> to eat our own dog food here. We talk about that in our book. <laughs> we talk about like mm-hmm. brand is, we can confuse brand sometimes and forget that it's as simple as you as a firm, you as an organization are uniquely suited to serve certain people in the world with certain set of skills and services. That's it. Yep. It can be as simple as that. If you can't answer those questions, who do we serve? How do we serve them in a unique way with specific services? Then that's where you need to start, right? How are yep. we uniquely suited to serve people in the world? Start there. And that's brand. You, you got to do some brand work. Yeah. Um, once you've so, done that, so, though, so that's... I like what you just said. I love this idea of like the next step is like, how do we systematize that? Are there three steps? Are there three ways? Are there three insights? Are there three, um, I don't know, I used another word and I've already forgotten what it was, but there was a good word there. Yeah, like three steps in a process or Mm -hmm. something like that. But I think think what you just said is a good way into that, right? So you could start, like say you're a small firm, you have three people Mm -hmm. today, right? But then as you grow, you start getting these insights. Um, Sometimes some of those insights start coming first, but then... On the other side of things, you might decide, you know, hey, we do need to re- we need we do need to establish our brand, which is what we do every day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and one thing that you said um, it reminded me of a client we we helped recently, um, Anvil, and they have uh, so so one of their frustrations, right? So you what you were talking about, Mike, sounded to me like a like a manifesto, like, like yeah. what frustrates us about this that we set out to change, right? Our yep. brands, part of our brand anthem. And so what they said was, we all worked at consultancies, and what we saw is consultants showing up with advice and not being willing to do anything. <laughs> we wanted yeah. to be a, a a consultancy that actually did the stuff because guess what? Now we're going to give more relevant feedback because we're willing to do it, right? We're going to give feedback. We're going to give advice where, where the rubber can actually meet the road. We're not going to give advice that's irrelevant, that's too hard for the, for the company or whatever, right? So they're, they're connected now. Yep. And that was the difference. And so can they write a book on that? Oh, heck yeah. They and they have, have so many examples. They, <laughs> They've written a few they, books. They have already. Yeah. Oh, okay. They've got a couple books already and they're working on another one right now. <laughs> yeah. So well. Yeah. No, I mean, I think they're a great example. (laughs) People want to kind of look and see um, how someone is is taking that approach as a professional services firm. I think Amphil is a great example. Um, Amphil.com. Just go check them out. Um, And it's, you know, there's always room to improve. There's always room to communicate that better. But um, I think they're doing, they've got the right strategy in place. They're, They're really thinking about this right. Especially I haven't talked with their, their founder, managing partner. Um, several times about kind of where he's headed in terms of the next book, and um, they've got mm-hmm. they've got this pretty well figured out, and they're they're following it pretty well. Um, so I've got a question. Yeah, uh, I think this is this is geared more towards the the marketing directors, the VPs of mm-hmm. marketing, who are not going to be the authors of this book. Yep. But we talk to a lot of. VPs of marketing, marketing directors, communications managers, and directors. And when we mention this process, we get a lot of like, oh, that sounds so cool. <laughs> yeah, they oh, all love the idea. Wow. We all um, love the idea. <laughs> how, 
how does a managing or a, um, a marketing manager, VP of marketing, somebody in that role, the marketing role at their firm, how do they take this back to the mm. partners and get them excited about it? <laughs> how do they sell it internally? That's the hard part. Um, I, I think there has to be a partner who is the champion and probably is the one whose name is going to go on the book. Yeah. Probably a managing partner. He or she probably needs to be convinced that this is really good for not only them, but for the firm. Yeah. Um, ideally, you as the marketing leader need to be able to show them not just that this is a doable process, which is going to be a hurdle to overcome, right? Everyone's going to think, man, this is really hard. It's going to take a long time. I'm not a writer. How am I going to get this done? So you're going to need to show them a process that removes those obstacles. And there, there's great ways to do that. We've talked about some of those before. We're going to talk about more of them today too. But you also need to show them the business case, which I think is what we've really been trying to outline. Is like, there's so many ways in which this benefits the firm well beyond the particular authors that you put on it. And, and that's another thing. You don't have to stick with one author. You can have multiple partners from your firm as the authors on this book, or if there's other key personnel. Obviously, you can't stick like eight names on there. That's just not going to fly. No. But you can stick probably up to three names and get away with that and have, have that provide some legitimacy to their own individual business development efforts. But then that also compounds for the rest of your firm. Everyone in the firm can say, we've written a book, Yep. right? Even though your name might not be on it personally, if you're in that firm and you're doing any kind of business development, whether it's actually you know, going out, tracking down leads, doing networking, you know, going to events, trying to speak even, or you're just, you know, you're, you're an operator, you're in the background, you're getting stuff done and you interface with clients and sometimes you actually come in and help close deals, right? because you're that subject matter expert, you're the technical expert. Every one of you can say, we've written a book. As a firm, we've written a book about this, what we do, right? Yeah. We have credibility. Um, there's lots of tactics in there about how you use a book. And I don't even know if we're gonna get to those today because I think we're gonna run out of time. I think there's like another episode of like, how do you use the book yeah. in your marketing and sales? Yeah. How do you market the book? How do you think about marketing the yeah. book? Because I think there's some, Confusion there still too. I'm talking to a firm right now about mm -hmm. uh, their book and how to market it. And yeah, it's like, are we selling the book or are we selling something else yeah. through the book? That, that's a big that's, question. And that's probably part of that right. internal sales process where you, you as the marketing person, you, you want a tool like that. Yep. It would make your job so much better and easier. Um, but how do you sell that to a partner? Well, you've you got to kind of paint the, the roadmap out for them. Mm -hmm. And Accounting is inter interesting, just, just like law firms, where the majority of accounting firms, you don't have that like one, you probably have a managing partner, but there's all these other partners, right? And so how do you just pick one partner to do that? Well, there's a roadmap there. Maybe Janet is the managing partner and she's really good at this thing. Mm -hmm. that, that's the first book. Then you've got John over here. There's book He's number two. He's really good at, you know, the um, uh, car sales guys. We always yeah. do that. But he's really good at auto. Car sales guys. The, the used like car lots, one. right? The used car <laughs> lots. He's an expert somehow. Uh, what was that, his name? John. Poor John. Yeah. I feel bad for John. But John loves it, man. He loves those guys. He's in, he he's in the trenches. He loves those used car guys. 
Then, then you've got Paul who um, is really good at you know tax, business tax, and there's an angle there. So there's a roadmap. Mm-hmm. This isn't just a one and done thing. And with an accounting firm, maybe you have eight to ten partners yeah. that kind of need to be appeased at some level. Yeah. And so paint that picture for them. Uh, I think, yeah, if we can get into kind of the, how do you, okay, you've got the book, how do you use it now? Yep. Um, that's part of that, that sales the, process too. Internally. The other thing I was thinking about too, is how you can use the writing process that we outlined last time. This, this idea of capturing their thinking, maybe through a podcast or some kind of recorded audio content, get them to talk, right? That's easy. Now, now we're not talking about every partner having to be a writer. They just need to be thinkers that can talk. <laughs> Right. And you can leave the writing to if you've got someone on your team or you have an outsourced writer or you have an agency that can help you with that. Um, let them do the writing, get, you know, get a professional to do that. But you're just trying to get ideas out. And so get those ideas out. You know, you got to create an outline, obviously got to have lots of questions, but get all the ideas out. And then every one of those ideas becomes fodder for content. You can start publishing now before you've written the book. Right, the transcript for the po- the podcast itself, the transcript for the podcast. If you can do some video capture, either through Zoom or actually like professional video capture of them talking, well, every one of those becomes media that you can start publishing now. And so, what you're what you're doing is you're creating marketing, like you're creating marketing content while you're writing this really big piece of marketing content that you won't see for a little while. Right, the book won't be available for a little while while you're developing it. But along the way, you can start to publish out these ideas. And so now when you're telling yep. your managing partner, you're telling the partners, hey, I'm making a business case for this. One of the business cases is we're going to leverage this in the in-between. We're not going to just like sit back in a corner away from everything, not publish anything for a year, and then start publishing once the book's out. Like, and nobody's going to sign off on that, right? Yeah. They're like, we have a business to run. We need yeah. leads today. Um, and you can say, yeah. yes, that's right. That's part of this process. This can actually either supplement or augment or even maybe be the central point of your content marketing for the next 12 to 18 months. Yeah. So I, yeah. I think there's a so, huge business case there for that too. Yeah, and and that that takes planning. But, um, and, and you know, the the I remember when I got here, uh, I remember Eric and I, when I first started Resound, we were talking about how to use all of the animal, right? And there's that yeah. idea that, you know, you go hunting and you, you know, the, um, you kill a, kill a deer. Well, what do you just take the best parts, you know, and then just leave the rest, you know, wasted there? Or do you use all of the animal? All right. So, you, so you're creating, you're writing this book, right? So you plan to write this book. Why not take those chapters out? And say chapter one, that's going to inform all our content for the month one, right? We're not going to waste any of this and it's going to go out everywhere. It's going to be useful. Yep. And then chapter two, right? And so what what it takes, I think what's missing and what most, where most brands might fail is that you don't plan at the beginning and you don't follow that discipline process because you do have other things to think about like, oh, tax seasons, uh, a certain time of year. Um, Basically, how do you negotiate that, you know, with, with the book and, and the difference in this process is really like a lot of times we do content strategy workshops. We're looking at a B2B schedule for the year. We're Mm -hmm. saying, what are the conferences that are important? What are the dates that the, 
you know, people are going to think are important is, is a seasonal, right? Um, and you're looking at all those things and you're coordinating your content according to um, what needs to hit, right, at certain times. Well, what we're doing in this case is we're saying, okay, all that stuff, we're going to deal with that differently or we're going we're gonna to handle that over here. But what we're doing right now is we're writing a book mm-hmm. and we're telling people how to think. And so it's a little bit of a trade-off. What you're doing is planning that ahead mm-hmm. and then keeping a disciplined approach and just saying, okay, um, you know, and that, that takes place in the workshop, which we can talk about if we want to. Yeah, I think we should touch on the workshop before we wrap up here. I think there's going to be another episode. We got to talk more about kind of the details, the nitty gritty of the process. Um, but then I also want to talk about how we get to like actually marketing with the book, doing sales with the book. How do you market the book itself? How do you get the word out that you have a book? Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's going to be the next next episode for sure. At least on this topic, we might have mm-hmm. some other episodes in between. Yeah, and Chris, we'll, we'll, we'll circle back on it. Chris, we'll circle back. You're uh, you're pretty good at at content marketing workshops mm-hmm. and and taking a lot of complex ideas, thoughts, personas, and organizing those into something that's actually accomplishable. So. Can you walk us through what that looks like when somebody's like, hey, we, we know we need to start like writing stuff for our, for our firm, for our brand. How do we do that? Um, walk us through that process. Yeah, well, so I think, I think one of the principles that's super important is creating this idea of creating the path of least resistance for the people, the busy executives, the busy uh, partners who are going to have to actually do this, right? Mm-hmm. And so. Um, I always think of that. Uh, so if you have a 401k or an IRA and your company matches, you, you get that taken out of your paycheck right at the beginning, right? Because you don't want to see it. You just want it, you want it to be like a sunk cost. Like I don't even see that anymore. And so if we can create a process that makes it really easy, hey, it's the same time every week or the same time every month, we get the partner into a podcast, we make it as enjoyable as, as it can be, we write up the questions for them, we get them primed. We do whatever we need to do just to make this easy for them, right? And so by creating that plan, that reliable plan, you're creating the path of least resistance not to avoid writing the book, but actually to write the book. <laughs> so yep. um, make it easy or it doesn't happen. Yep. Uh, from a content strategy standpoint, to make it easy is we get together uh, in, a, in, a, in a content strategy workshop. And part of that workshop is we is we talk about you know, is there a manifesto? Do we have this, this idea of something we're just kind of like, man, we're angry about how, how do we, we, we seen this in other firms. We don't like how, how clients are being treated. Right. And we want to do something about that just like Amphil did. And so now you have this manifesto. Now, now you just have to think about, okay, well, what are the things we do? And this is a possible way to do this. We're, we're creating a, we're mind mapping out a book outline, but what are the possible ways that that what what are the ways that what are our approaches in the different areas of our firm where we're actually living out that manifesto right mm-hmm. what are the things we do that are a little different and then how do you really how do you really focus in on those things and make them make them big make them a chapter worth a chapter's worth and that's easier than you think and so um so that's the first thing i think is get into that workshop and then we work together and we create that outline just a guided conversation about what that outline looks like. So we first brainstorm what's the manifesto. What are the things that really stand out? What are we What are we excited about? Passionate about? 
and then create that outline. And once you have that outline, now basically you divide that up over the months and and you create that content strategy from the outline from from the from the mind map you you have an outline from the outline you write questions yep and that's exactly what we did and and mike i think what if if you remember when we started i think someone wrote an outline it was you or one of one of the guys jeff or someone david Probably. david actually i think did david the first draft the of the outline and obviously we had the benefit of having talked about a lot of those topics for a long time, right? And so the yeah. outline was really just almost like a distillation of all these things we had been talking about. How do we put them in an order that makes sense? And I think the first stab at that outline was literally like a whiteboard and it was just throw all the ideas we've been talking about for the last eight years on a board and then put some kind of order to them. And then I think David and then Jeff and I made some comments on the that version of the of the outline to kind of refine it and say, oh no, maybe this one needs to go first before this. Oh, we missed this. We need a, like we need some setup. So we're gonna need another chapter here at the beginning to kind of give some preamble, right? To to set things up well. Um and then it was a matter of like questions. And I think that can happen all in the workshop, which is get all these ideas on the table refine them, get them into some kind of general order, and then write almost like sales FAQs. What are the questions that you get on each of these chapters or these topics for each chapter that right. your clients are giving you, right? In the sales process, they're probably asking, well, well what about this? What are this? the objections? What are the objections? Yeah. Tell me more about this. I don't understand that term, right? And so now you're writing all these questions and those become essentially the questions that you're going to ask, you're going to interview one of your partners or the managing partner, whoever's going to kind of be the author. And if you want, get a couple of them in a room and have them spitball back and forth. In fact, I actually recommend that because I think you'll get more developed ideas than just one person talking. Um, kind of yeah. like what we're doing yeah. on this podcast right now. <laughs> um, well, and, and what we did to write the book correct. because once we had that outline... Um, if you remember, I, we got on a zoom yep. call and I interviewed you guys and Jeff had written a whole bunch of really good yep. questions in there. And so I read down that and I just asked you guys questions. You and David talked and uh, a bunch of the book got written just right there. Yep. And that became a transcript and, you know, we're getting right into this, yep. this very specific process, but transcribe that, mm -hmm. hand that over to a writer or someone on the team who can write, uh, inside the firm, outside the firm, get a professional writer. Have them turn that transcript into an actual manuscript, right? That actually makes coherent sense because the transcript is going to be a little perky jerky, right? And it's going to be a conversation. And that won't, that doesn't translate perfectly over to a manuscript for a book. You're going to have to have somebody to massage it, add in more examples. That was a big thing that we did um, kind of after the transcript was done and we did a first manuscript version was all right, let's throw in more examples. Let's back this up, right? Because that didn't always happen in the conversation. You don't always have those things right at the tip of your, your fingers in your mind. Um, you right. might have a couple right. here and there, but let's have more data. Let's have more examples. Let's have more case studies. Let's have more stories. That was another part of rewriting that transcript into a manuscript was putting some more storytelling in it. Um, maybe developing out an idea that didn't get super developed or there was some hangups in it. We also kind of fell into bringing an editor into that process later on. And they were super help helpful in just critiquing every concept 
and just saying, does this stand up to logic? Um, does this stand up to my kind of outside perspective? I don't know everything that you all know, but here's where I could take that idea as an outsider. Are you okay with that? You know, does, does that break your logic? Are you, do we need to address that? Um, do we need to refine that idea a little bit? Even just having somebody you know who's outside your business that you trust to read through it with that kind of lens of like, does this make sense mm -hmm. to you? I'd, Sam, I think you did a really good job with that. You came in pretty late in the process too. And I think your first read through the manuscript, you were like, I love everything after chapter one. <laughs> well, I, re I read it one night and I was in a bad mood. And not because of That's the book. That's great. You should have somebody in a bad mood yeah, read it. Yeah. Because I was like, <laughs> yeah. I'm not in a good enough mood to try to reach for what you're trying to tell me right now. This doesn't make sense. Yeah. That's what you want. You want somebody who can really honestly tell you it doesn't make sense. Um, and that might be part of the writing process itself. If you're not going to write it internally, have an outside writer and they'll, they'll give you that. They'll be like, hey, this part of the transcript, this conversation here, I don't understand what you guys are trying to get at. Or I kind of get it, but here's some conflict I'm seeing in the logic. Yeah. Um, so that can be super helpful. Another aspect that we always touch on in, in the workshops is, you know, figuring out that that single persona that mm -hmm. you're writing to. Yes. Define the persona. Yep. Give him or her a name. You know, find a stock image to like envision that person. Give them a headshot and write out. Chris, you're really good at this. Write out details about their, you know, their imaginary life. They've got two kids. They're 45 years old. This is how much they make every year. These are the things that, you know, if, if they could solve these things, their life would be so much better. Um, and that's kind of the if, starting point. If you point. have that, if you have that, I mean, think about you're writing a letter, you're writing an email to someone you don't know. It's going to be like formal and you're trying to not mess up. But if you're writing to somebody who you really know, like you mm -hmm. can be fun, you can be personal and people feel a connection there. So you write, you write like someone people want to connect with. Right? Oh. Yeah. Cause you're inside their head. Right. Like that's, yep. that's yep. the goal of the persona is that you're so inside and you're feeling, you're empathizing, you're understanding, you are resonating with them in these challenges that you're about to solve for them or propose solutions for. And yep. if you haven't done that, I, I would, man, I just, I think if there was one thing I would go back and do different with our book is having that persona more developed than we did. I think that would have benefited our book. Um, it is what it is. And I think you can, you know, you, you work with what you got and you, you do the best you can to develop out that persona. But uh, the more detailed, the more specific you can make it, the more powerful your book's going to be. It's also going to, well, it's going to help too on the back end when, you know, someone's like, hey, I want to share your book. Who's it good for? <laughs> and your answer is, well, uh, I don't know, everybody. People who need accountants. Yeah. Well, and so, yeah. It, Again, that's the benefit of professionalizing the process. And sometimes it's more professional to realize like this needs to be outside. This yep. needs to be a writer from the outside or this needs to be a uh, someone from the outside to help us out with this, which kind of brings me to, I, I did want to make one point about how to structure all these steps because um, Mike, you mentioned, I just wanted this to be clear. It's almost like a three step process. And I'm curious what you guys think, but in my mind, if you want to really do it well, you, you, you want to build your company and you want to do it in, the, in a big picture approach, step one is doing that brand, like really getting your brand 
um, clarified and then having that brand anthem, that brand story, that thing, that, that manifesto that says, here's why we're different and here are our values yep. and our distinctives. Like, here's how we think and why the, why we do what we do. Yep. You and have to like have the, that. The neck. Yeah. You just, you have to have at, it. at least. Yep. So, so I mean, and, and the thing is, if you come out of that with not just values, traits and story, but also with verbal and visual guidelines, mm-hmm. now you're set up to write the book because now the visual and verbal guidelines tell you how to write and how to, you know, like how to design your stuff. And it comes from your values and from your brand. And so it, it they extend. So what that means is you're not going to have to go back when you write the book. So if that's the first step and then you go to that content strategy with book writing in mind and you do that process, that, that package process, you're not going to have to go back and say, oh, well, we didn't know, we didn't make sense of our brand first. So now we have to go through the book and we have to smooth out the language in this new way. We have to redesign everything. You don't have to do that because it was already figured out because you did it in the right order. And that means you're saving money and you're saving time. So if step one's the brand workshop, step two is the book writing. I think step three um, in this big process would be, all right, how do you, what are you going to do with it? And how do you market that book well so that it, it actually does what it's supposed to do for you? Yep. Totally agree. Totally agree. And I think that uh, is a good segue for next time, which is what do you do with this? How do you get the word out that you are writing a book? How do you use it well in the, in between while you're writing it? But also what do you do with it when, once it's done? I think that's, kind of the next big question that we need to tackle. Thank you all again. We really appreciate you listening to this. I know that um, these can be a little in-depth and they can get a little long, but if you've been sticking around this long on this episode, I hope that you have found some really, really helpful ideas for you and your firm and how you're going to go to market. The Remarka Brand Podcast is a project of Resound and is recorded in Tempe, Arizona with hosts Mike Jones and David Kosand. It's produced and edited by Sam Pagel. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, and at RemarkableCast.com. If you'd like more episodes, subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or wherever you prefer to get your podcasts. To contact the show, find out more about the Remarka Brand podcast or to join our newsletter list to make sure you never miss another episode, check out our website at remarkablecast.com. Copyright Resound Creative Media LLC 2022.